Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. The story you're about to hear is a true birth story. It's the real deal, and it may not be appropriate for sensitive ears. On today's episode... I remember the day I was getting the gender back and I was waiting for the phone call to find out the gender and I was about to do a show and literally my phone rang and I was like, oh crap, I need to put my phone down. Why is it in my pocket? I'm about to go on stage. I was just like, baby brain. Um, and the phone call was like, oh, hi, it's, uh, you know, doctor, blah, blah, blah. We just wanted to let you know you're having baby girl. And I was like, this is real, you know? That's and then I couldn't so, yeah. tell anybody. Yeah. I had to put the phone down and go on stage and I was just like, <laughs> you know, I had a wow. great performance that night. It was just like, wow, this is real. It felt real. Hello, welcome to The Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Williams, and I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is Marie Lively. She is a hilarious actress and improv comedian. She has performed at the Upright Citizens Brigade for many, many years. I met her on a short film probably a decade ago. And randomly, she also went to college and is good friends with my husband. So she came back into my life when I met him. And look at us now, we're all having babies and doing this parenting thing together, and it's so fun. I loved having her as a guest. I know you will love her too. It was an especially exciting interview, I think for for me, but for her as well, because it was the first time I was able to sit down face-to-face with someone since February 2020. I got some new recording equipment that lets me record on the go, which is really, really fun, because really there's nothing like sitting down with someone and chatting face to face. So we did it very safely. I went to her backyard and we sat about like 12 feet apart from each other and had a lot of laughs while she shared candidly, as usual, all about her pregnancy, birth, postpartum, but also about, you know, the special challenges that women are facing by having to give birth and raise a newborn during this pandemic. So Marie shares how she sort of navigated building her own support pod in the early postpartum days and... We talk about all the challenges of getting the baby to sleep. She has some great resources for you on that. And we talk about breastfeeding, oversupply, undersupply, all the different colors of baby poop, postpartum sex, and you know, lots more. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Marie Lively. How old is she now? Five months. So now that she's five months, <laughs> is it hard to imagine a time when you were without a child? Is that so crazy so to think about? Like for years, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have kids or what that's going to be like or, you know, this and that. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, all right, yeah, no, I'm doing this. Like, <laughs> you know, I had found my partner and I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. I, I want to have kids with this person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also was like, yeah, I'm t- you know, it's it's time. I'm pushing 40. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do uh-huh. this. And then it was just kind of like, oh, now I'm doing it. It didn't feel like a decision or like a, it just oh, really? was like kind of, like, this is the trajectory of my life. Okay. So, so you guys didn't plan it. It just happened. No. Oh yeah. my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. We were, we were doing the rhythm method. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like Which works for works a lot of people. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was doing it really, really like 
adamantly um, taking my temperature every morning using an app. Oh, Great wow, you're app, doing temperature cycles. and really everything. Everything. Wow. What is the rhythm method? Most of you probably know all about this, especially if you're someone who intentionally tried to conceive, then you're already familiar with the rhythm method because it's basically just tracking your cycle on a calendar to know what your most fertile and unfertile days are. There are lots of apps to help you learn your menstrual cycle and predict ovulation and menstruation, but it's only really extremely reliable, the rhythm method, as a birth control method if you're someone who has very regular cycles. So talk to your doctor if you're thinking about using this as your birth control method. Also, in the show notes, I've linked the app that Marie recommends. It's called Natural Cycles. And interestingly, it's the only FDA cleared app for birth control. So that's cool. Check it out. I made it really easy. Just swipe up on the episode and you'll see the link right there in the show notes. Uh, You know, could be helpful to some of you, whether you're trying to conceive or trying not to conceive that next baby. (laughs) And then we went camping for a weekend and I didn't have service. Oh, my gosh. And I was pretty close. I was like, ah, I can't take my temperature. My app's not working. I was like, I, I kind of been like not really paying <laughs> attention. And then, I, re- I mean, like, you know, we were camping. Um, so we were like, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I remember the moment I was like, oh, my God, that you just got me pregnant. And he was like, ha, ha. And I was like, yeah, well, probably not. But, you know, because I had never been pregnant. I'd never accidentally been pregnant. I've been always been really careful. But like. Right. You know, I was like pushing 39 and I was like, oh, my God, what if I can't get pregnant? You know? mm-hmm. So that was also kind of a thing. Yeah, you just don't know. You don't know. And then <laughs> and <you> could. <laughs> <laughs> I could. Um, and so, yeah. That wow. Just, so you really never really thought about it that much. It was just sort of like maybe one day, but not. I knew I knew what we were going to when I got together with him because he really wanted kids. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. He's like, do you want a family? And I was like, I do. And he's like, OK, because that's like a deal breaker for me and I was like no I do I just don't know when or how or right you or you know like in the beginning and then once I was like okay this is my person when it just happened I was like okay yeah great (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) yeah wow I never really saw you when you were pregnant because we've been in this pandemic basically no it was wild we like I mean 2020 has been an insane year a lot of people had a really horrible year it's been a really horrible year, but mm-hmm. apparently I've been waiting my whole life for this pandemic because we like had a baby, <laughs> bought a house, got married. <laughs> I'm like, this is my year, <laughs> which is horrible. But it's been kind of a, a blessing in disguise because if I hadn't lost my job, I would not have been able to like be home, mm. setting up our house, getting ready. He wouldn't have been working from home, so he wouldn't have been part of the pregnancy like process. Yeah. Now that she's born, he gets to work from home and like come I know. And have that soup is soup with cool. her or whatever. Yeah. You know? So it's like it's been really kind of like a blessing in disguise to ha- to be home during this pandemic because you you really are forced to bond and no one's knocking on your being like, Can I see your baby? That's true. You know? Yeah, that's um, true. And no one's like, Oh, can I come over? P- relatives aren't flying in, you know? And right. it's like you really just are like alone. Yeah. And able to focus on what Yeah. It's mean. like a kind of nest enforcement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, no, I had that thought because I very clearly remember when my husband went back to work at three weeks postpartum, that was when it got really hard for me. And it was like, 
oh my God, that would be a really nice benefit of, <laughs> of having to stay home, oh, I yeah. suppose, during was, this. I mean, even him, he's like, okay, I have three weeks. I'm not working. I'm here. I'm in the house. I'm not working. But then even just going out to the garage and being not available for like hours at a time, I was like, oh God, I don't, I felt crazy. And then he would come in and I'd be like, I need help. And he's like, I just, I have to pee. I have to get back on a call. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. And especially your first one. I feel like the second one, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but the first one, you're like, what am I doing? Am I going to break her? Is she happy? Is she sad? Is she constipated? Is she, you know, I'm killing her. What's happening? Is milk coming out? Like, Hmm. Is she drinking enough? Is she drinking too much? Like, it's just constant. So I don't know at all how your pregnancy went or anything. So just tell me what happened from the get-go. No thing. Really? Yeah. I I got a little, like, sick in the beginning of the second trimester. Oh, really? Not even in the first? No. In the first, I was, like, totally fine. Hey, when cricket, you say get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, the pleasures of outdoor mm, podcasting. That's okay. Um, I can't really but, hear it. But it was just like no thing. I I would feel nauseous, but it wouldn't be anything that like a cracker couldn't take care of. Oh, good. I never threw up. I never had anything really at all. The only thing towards the end, I started getting really bad indigestion because, mm-hmm. you know, that's you normal. No room. Yeah. Your stomach is kind <laughs> of in your neck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and I'm also, but I didn't change anything that I was eating. I felt really like, oh, you know, this is crazy. And my mom was like, yeah, you're, you were a textbook baby. So you're going to have a textbook baby and your pregnancy is going to be textbook and you'll probably push it out in, you know, eight hours. Like, she just, <laughs> right. And I was like, yeah, totally. And then I wanted, um, I was like, oh, cool. So this is natural. I'm, I'm born to give birth. <laughs> I'm just going to do this thing. That's going to be great. My baby's going to slip right out. And I'm yeah. going to be this like mother guru, like nature. Yeah. And that's not <laughs> at all. Can, well, can I ask you real quick? Uh, Cause something I was wondering, cause I noticed that you were performing cause yeah. you're a comedy performer. Yeah. How was that performing pregnant? Was that just like no big deal? <laughs> I honestly leaned into it nice. because I was doing, you know, uh, these musicals. So it would be like, you know, my character, I would just be like, okay. And, and also I wasn't really showing like majorly showing until February and then the world shut down. Right. Right. So I, I remember the day because I hadn't told anybody I was pregnant. Okay. And I was getting the gender back and I was like waiting for the phone call to find out the gender. And I was about to do a show and literally my phone rang and I was like, oh crap, I need to put my phone down. Why is it in my pocket? I'm about mm. to go on stage. Like, Baby brain. Um, and the phone call was like, oh, hi, it's, uh, you know, doctor, blah, blah, blah. We just wanted to let you know you're having baby girl. And I was like, this is real, you know? That's and then so, I couldn't yeah. tell anybody. Yeah. I had to put the phone down and go on stage. And I was just like, <laughs> you know, I had a wow. great performance that night. It's just like, wow, this is real. Like it yeah. felt real. Yeah. Um, Cause before it was just like a zygote or whatever, you know, that helped me a lot finding out the gender, yeah. but for the reasons that I was sick and I did feel like I just was carrying a parasite, yeah. but when I, you know, I, and it's not really like, I guess, I don't know what it is. It's something about the mental switch of like, oh, this is a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like, okay, this is real. I also, I didn't have any of the, like, I feel so connected to my baby. I didn't feel anything. I didn't mm. feel anything for her at all 
until like she literally was in my arms. Wow. Like I didn't feel connected. I felt, I thought it was cool biologically that like, yeah. I could see parts of her body moving. Right. But I also like think the movie Alien is cool. <laughs> you know? so, like, I was like, this is wild. I was yeah. just like, what a crazy like yeah. thing. This is bizarre. Isn't this weird? You know, yeah. like, we would get, you know, it was just very biological for me. I was mm. like, I am a host and this is the, <laughs> the parasite <laughs> yeah. eating my insides and then it will come out and I will take care of it. And I was really nervous about whether or not I was going to have a connection with oh, really? when she came out. I was nervous about postpartum. I was nervous about so much because I uh, suffer from anxiety and depression and, mm. uh, you know, but my doctors were really like, let's just stay on top of it. Let's just keep talking about that's it. That's great and that your doctors were supportive of mm-hmm. that and on top of it. Wow, that's Very, good. like, and my psychiatrist was, is really like, it's not just the brain with women. It's also hormones. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, she's the first psychiatrist I've ever had that was like, oh, yeah, you know, your hormones are actually playing a part in yeah. your mental health. So she was really great. I ended up luckily not having severe postpartum or anything like that. And when Maisie came out, I was immediately, it was just like the first sound of her. I was like, my baby, where is she? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. So you, what was your birth plan as you were approaching? My birth plan was to, you know, have it naturally. Um, I was going to not. I have a pretty high tolerance for pain. So I was like, I'm not going to use the epidural unless I really feel like I need to. Naturally meaning no drugs. No drugs. But in the hospital. In the hospital. Okay. In the hospital. Yeah. I, uh, my grandparents and every, my whole family was nurses. And I was just mm-hmm. like, I feel like, I was like, no, I, I need a hospital. Yeah. I'm 39 years old. Let's just do this in the hospital. Right. And I'm really glad I did actually. Because my I didn't want to do any drugs. But I also wasn't opposed to it. The only reason I was opposed to an epidural is that I heard it can slow down contractions. And I really did not want a C-section. That's all I knew. Was right. that I did not want a C-section. I was like, nope, this baby will come out of my vagina. That is how you're supposed to have a baby. I am a woman <laughs> and that is how it works. I have a perfect pregnancy and that is... It. And that was like, I was so set on not having a C-section. Right. Well, um, the baby comes uh, how they want to come. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what happened. So that was your birth plan, basically natural in a hospital. Mm-hmm. What sort of pain coping, you know, methods were you saying? Or what was any, your like classes or anything? Because it was COVID. Okay. Nothing so online nothing. or anything. I was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to wait and see. And then if it's really bad, I'll ask for the epidural. But and it's temporary. So that was my pain. Right. It's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary. Uh-huh. Like I can, you know, I've, I've split my head open before. Oh, wow. Like, uh-huh. you know, I'm pretty clumsy. So <laughs> like, definitely have had some pain moments. And I was like, yeah, how bad can it be? Okay. So let, let's find out. <laughs> and then what happened? Um, at what point uh, were you in your pregnancy when you knew you were in labor? And what was the, oh, well, well, maybe I'm in labor experience. At like, like 39 weeks, my 
doctor was like, okay, so, you know, you could go at any time. Um, you can start having sex. You can, you know, let's get this party started. And I was like, cool. And, and before that, I'd been like, don't touch me, David. Like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to accidentally go into premature labor. I want to give her, you know, I want to let her cook. Yeah. And then I was like, guess what, babe? Like, let's, let's start doing it. Like, <laughs> I was like, we got to get this baby out. And so we were just really trying. And then my doctor was like, so if it goes past one week, we're going to induce. And I like was past like, 41 weeks? Or, yeah. Okay. It goes past seven. We'll give you seven days past. So basically they gave me one week mm-hmm. past 40. And I was like, really? We can't just like let her come naturally? Like she's going to do it. I can, I know my body. Mm-hmm. And at 41 weeks he was like, okay, you're going to the hospital tomorrow and you're going to be induced. And I was like, oh, uh. okay. And I didn't feel anything, nothing. Yeah. No contractions, no nothing. Yeah. I had a couple of like Braxton Hicks kind of things. Yeah, tightening. Tightening yeah. in the beginning of my third trimester, but really nothing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, well, she's definitely in there because I was giant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's definitely still moving. I did have a scare moment. I didn't feel her for a couple of days. Oh. And so I went to the hospital and they were like, good that you came. Drink this juice. <laughs> That basically was like a sugar bomb. It was like ginger to ale, make her move to make yeah ginger ale, ice, Fanta, Ew. Like, <laughs> cranberry juice, apple juice. It was actually really good. Oh okay. Um, but I drank that and then she moved and I was like, okay, peace. Um, She's like, I'm sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's funny. But then I went to the hospital. I was scheduled. I like walked in the door. You know, had my bag. David had his bag, and because they were like, bring everything because once you come in, you're not leaving. Right. COVID. COVID. Like, right. Right. You know, um, how did you prepare for a COVID experience or did you, were you just like, we'll just see how this goes. Did they tell you you have to prepare to labor in a mask and all that? Or did they yeah, take your temperature so when you got there? They took my temperature. I mean, we did an online tour of the hospital because mm-hmm. they had an online okay. tour. So we did that. They said he had to be in a mask the whole time. I didn't have to wear a mask when I was laboring, but you know, if I, if I wanted to, I should probably wear a mask the rest of the time. And that, you know, normally they only feed me, but because it was COVID, they were going to feed both of us because he wasn't allowed to leave and go get food. Right. That's like, good. Great score. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> except for the fact when they were bringing him food and they're not letting me eat. And I'm like, there's a hard boiled egg in my bag. Get it for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> and so my nurse team was incredible. I delivered good. at Providence St. Joseph in Burbank and highly recommend. They were oh, amazing. Oh, great. Great. But I went in. They like set me up. They're like, all right, let's check your cervix. And they're like, nope, it's not open at all. And I was oh, like, no. oh, okay. And they're like, that's fine. We'll just start you on this and start, you know, start you on a drug called Cytotec, which is like a softening, a cervix softening. Is that the pill they put in your cervix or no. is that just like a gel? It's, it's, it's not a, even it's that. A drip. It was oh, like a, a drip. Oh, cool. Okay. And they're only allowed to give it once every like six hours or four hours. Okay. I can't remember. So, and it's basically supposed to soften your cervix so that when yeah. they give you the Pitocin, which is supposed to like yeah. start the contractions, it'll open. That helps. Yeah. Um, they can only do it for 24 hours and they can only do it, you know, once every four hours. So at my fourth or fifth dose of side attack, they're like, yeah, your cervix is still at a zero. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. I'm like trying to do like kegels to pop it open. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not how it works, but I'm like, come on. I'm like, come on. And I was like, what is going on? My mother made a not so hilarious joke the day after that now is hilarious. She was like, you're 39 years old. It's probably just rusted shut. <laughs> I was like, 
Thanks, mom. Thanks, mommy. Uh, <laughs> that was great. So then they started giving me the Pitocin and I started having contractions and I was like, this will do it for sure. Mm. Did, and you were feeling those contractions? Feeling the contractions okay. and they were uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. We're going to do it now. Oh, you know. So uh, you said five doses or four doses five, or something. Four. So you were there for how many hours before the contraction started? That's like, like 20. Oh, my gosh. And, and were you prepared that inductions can take a really long time? No. Okay. That me neither when that happened to I me. Like, yeah. And also, it I makes you feel like prepared. you're doing something wrong, yeah. right? But you're not. You're not. Yeah. And I also was not prepared to not eat. I think yeah. that's dumb. I get why they do it. But you're, here you're about to go on like a marathon and there's like no fuel, no sleep. Yeah. Like yeah. Some, and it's like all the things you're not supposed to have. <laughs> yeah. And it was just, I mean, I, I did sneak a hard boiled egg and I ate it and oops. Oh, well, like, right. didn't, but I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. Um, it is crazy that they, that isn't really explained. Yeah. Eat a big meal before you start the Pitocin, like a big meal. Yeah. Or, or whatever the drug yeah, is. Like, no, that's they, what I, I recommend. I mean, luckily, I did eat because I was like, I have to eat something. And the doctor was like, okay, right at the beginning, after they gave me one dose of mm-hmm. the side attack, I'd been there mm-hmm. for like three hours. He was like, okay, I'll have him send you a meal. A meal. Mm-hmm. And thank God, because I would have probably got up with my, you know, walked out into the hallway with my, <laughs> with my IV and been like, if someone doesn't give me a turkey sandwich, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and so then, you're there for like 20 hours, 20 hours, and then the Pitocin. And then I was like, okay, my total labor was 27 hours. I was there. Um, oh, wow. So the Pitocin did yeah. like the contractions started kicking up yeah. and that was getting you going. Yeah. How are you managing um, those last seven hours? I like, tell me about like, that. I was just like, oh, this is a big one. Oh, oh I was thinking a lot of like, <laughs> like drama school. <laughs> Breathe into your cock sex. <laughs> I was just like, ha, ha, ha. That's actually probably very helpful. All your body is just like get primal. And- yeah. And I was like, I needed to sit up. I like had to, I wanted to like sit up in the chair and, you know, and they have the, the bed will move in all sorts of different ways. So I kept wanting to sit up. I kept wanting to walk. Did you have a birthing ball or anything like that? I or- had a birthing ball, but it was like a peanut. And I was mm. like, that's too low for me. I need my like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then all of a sudden two nurses rushed in and there was like beeping happening. Mm. And I was like, what's going on? They're like, oh, have you been, did you do something? And I was like, I don't know. I'm like that move the monitor or something. Yeah. Oh, okay. And like the heart rate's dipping. And so we just need to check the heart rate and her heart rate had dipped. And I was like, it's probably just cause I moved on my side, mm. you know? And I was convinced that like when I would move, her heart rate would dip. So mm. then I was like, Oh no. I know. I was like, okay, I'm not going to do anything to mess this up because I am not having C-section. Then I was like, I'm worried that my movement is is making her, you know, her heart go down. So yeah. um, I just then I was like really still. And that was really, I felt for some reason that like if I didn't give birth vaginally, I wasn't a woman, hmm. which is so I know messed up. But like I had this idea that like women are women and we have vaginas and that's what it's for. And like. You're supposed to give birth from your vagina. And if you don't, you're less than. And Mm. it was like this stupid 
idea I had in my head. It's not stupid. It's very common to feel that way. Yeah. It's that's why most people get very disappointed when they have to have a C-section because yeah. it's there is that sort of narrative. But also women used to die like well, a third of the time. And now yeah. women have C-sections a third of the that's, time. That's so, the thing is like I, I ended up, you know, the doctor was like, if her heartbeat drops one more time, we're doing a C-section. Um, it was bad. It wasn't recovering then. Yeah. No, because she kept, yeah. kept happening. And immediately I was like, my eyes were full of tears. David could see it. And he was like, so can you explain to us what will happen during C-section? And I was like, I know I love you for a reason. Like he made the mm. nurse sit there and like start explaining exactly step by step. Oh, good. I'm, I'm a very like, I'm a planner. I like yeah. need to know what's going to happen. Yeah. And so she was explaining step by step what was going to happen. And then in the middle of explaining it, beep, 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 beep. Mm. And then like 30 people came in and it was like, okay, we're doing this. Boop, here you go. And yeah. then put one in the bed and threw scrubs at, at David and like, you know, get your stuff. We're out of here. Like yeah. that was the scariest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you're just worried about your little baby at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And I would, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I was doing. They wouldn't let him come with me. So like, yeah. They were just like, okay, this and don't move and this. And, okay, now you have to sit really still because then they have to give you the epidural. The epidural. Yeah. There was a new nurse that was in training that they like put in front of me. And I was like, this new one? <laughs> You're going to give me the new one? <laughs> they wouldn't even let David be there for the epidural placement? No. Okay. Nothing. Not until the doctors were, go- were going right, in. Right. Um, could mm. he come in? It was just like there were so many people in the room. And I'm... I'm someone that, like, when I enter a room, I, like, clock everybody. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, I can do this. But, like, mm. I couldn't see. I was like, who's that over there? And I had people counting. You know, it's like one forcep. And it's just, like, all these sounds. And I just was – and it's so bright. I had my room, like, all nice and, yeah. you know, s- sense. And it was just like, Vroom. Yeah. And then <laughs> – the weird part of me was like, I wanted to see. I was like, okay, now I want to see what you're going to do. They put the this big thing up and I was like, wait, I can't see. And they're like, no, you can't watch your own C-section. You Some psychopath. people do have clear sheets though. Well, Isn't next that- one, you yeah. damn sure I'm having it. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm interested. I mean, David will pass out. <laughs> so he didn't look. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty intense. Uh, and then it was just, the team was amazing. My doctor was amazing. Were they talking um, to you the whole time? Talking to me the whole time. And also, so my gynecologist d- didn't actually do the delivery. Mm-hmm. So another doctor in his office was doing the delivery. But he, so the other doctor was the one who was doing the C-section. But he felt so bad that I like, labored for so long. He kept mm-hmm. checking. He kept coming to the hospital to check on me. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being there as well for the C-section. So I That's had two doctors. Great. And it was just like, I felt so taken care of. Good. Um, Good. The anesthesiologist was like, okay. It's in a moment. It's gonna feel like your head's gonna pop off. Uh, <laughs> what? He's like, there's gonna be a lot of pressure. I can't knock you. I can't like give you anything for that because I'll have to knock you out. So just know that it's normal. <laughs> I was like, what? And then they're like, baby's coming. And then I was like, ah! <laughs> like as they push on your belly, they like push to like pop it out. And that's why it feels like your your head is popping. It, it Wait, what is that? Feels like I think I don't this again. I wanted to see what the hell was going on. Right, right. But I think they have to, you know, they they push down on the uterus to push the yeah. baby out. Yeah. You know, and I think when they do that, everything else gets pushed up. Right. It just the pressure was like, I was like, mm. <laughs> it felt like it was going to pop off. It was very short, um, like two seconds, but it was the weirdest sensation I've ever felt. Interesting. And then I just heard crying and I was like immediately just, 
like nothing. I couldn't hear anything. Yeah. It was just like all I could hear was her crying. And it's like those that moment in a movie where it's like the music starts playing. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you know, then they take her over and I'm like, go, go get her. Go see her. You know, like pushing David, like, go get her. And he's like, oh, my God, she's amazing. And he's coming back. He's like, she's so much hair. She looks like my dad. <laughs> he's like, you know, and we were like, I'm like, are they keeping the vernix on? Tell him to keep the vernix on. Because I was like, really? Yeah. I really. And, and he was like, there's no vernix left. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? Get me, my baby. Those certain things in your birth plan where you're like, I want the vernix on or whatever, you know, that you're just like, oh, yeah, I wait before I forget. Because like for me, I really wanted to see my placenta. I didn't want to save it. I just wanted to look at it because I thought it was such a cool, weird thing that yeah. like kept my baby alive and that I, my body made. You yeah, know? We, we grow an organ <laughs> yeah. and then we dispose of it. Yeah. We are aliens. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's so weird. But by the time I remember, because, you know, it was crazy when the delivery happened, and I was laying there, they're like stitching me up for a very long time. And I was like, oh, yeah, wait, my, my placenta. And the doctor was like, uh, <laughs> um, I'm like, she looked panicked. She was like, oh, shit, does this woman want to like capsulate her placenta? Because we <laughs> threw that thing in the trash. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. It's okay. I just wanted to look at it. It's a great idea. I wanted to, I, I, there's a picture that was taken mm. when they finally brought her over. And you can see the placenta in the background oh, in really? a dish. And I was like, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> that's great. Okay. So back to, um, so, so she came out, she you came heard her out, screaming. I heard her screaming, but I couldn't see her. Mm-hmm. So then they take her over immediately and they're like making sure she's okay and all this stuff. But he, David could get up and down and look at her. And I was like, bring her to me. I kept being like, bring her to me. And he's like, I can't, they won't let me. And I was like, mm. get me. I kept being like, where is she? Because it felt like it was like five minutes. And I was like, the vernix, the vernix, get the vernix on. And he was like, they're saying there's no vernix left. She passed the meconium in the in the womb. She's covered mm. in shit. And I was yeah, like, that's she's covered why, in shit. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, oh my God, is she okay? Does she, is there shit in her eyes? Like, <laughs> she's like, get the shit off of her. Take all the shit off of her. Like, get the vernix off. Like it was, and I'm like laying there half paralyzed from the waist down, like play by play, like mm. shouting these directives to professionals <laughs> who know what they're doing. I like Googled Vernix, you know? Oh my God. I love it. Oh, so, I love this scene then, so much. And then they brought her over to me and I was just like, Oh yeah. Like immediate. I was just like, this is, it was the most incredible moment of my life. Like totally cliche. Like I didn't, I immediately was in love with her. It was like no thing. I, you know, I just was like, I just, I wanted to like, put her inside of me like I was trying to put her so close to me and she was very curious and just like looking and you know it's just it was it was magical and at that moment I was like so grateful that they did a Mm c-section like I was like oh I'm so glad this happened because yeah if this was the 1800s both of us probably would have died my cervix wouldn't have opened she would have passed the meconium it would have infected her or something you know I don't know you know that's a good point of view to have, especially so soon afterwards. Ugh, the newborn babies are just like so amazing. Yeah. She was just like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? What's all this stuff? Who are all these people? And I'm like, girl, I don't know. You know? And then, you know, they're stitching me up. It was just wild. And then they asked me if I wanted to donate my placenta, which hmm. I hadn't heard of. Um, That's 
pretty common now they get the cord mm-hmm. blood from it. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised they didn't ask you that beforehand. Cause like my doctor asked me when I was like 37 weeks or something. Oh no, yeah. Somebody came in after they stitched me up, they wheeled me to like a mini recovery area where they could keep an eye on me until I could feel my legs. Mm. Uh, and then someone came over and she was like, hi, I'm from the placenta donor land or whatever. <laughs> Can we have your placenta? And I was like, is this real? <laughs> like, I was like, like what are you going to do with it? <laughs> um, and I was like, sure, take it away. You know, I, I, I wasn't going to take it home and eat it with eggs or anything. Yeah. So <laughs> not, not that people who do that are weird, but I just wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. How was that? Once the numbing wore off, were they giving you drugs immediately to help with your surgery pain or? Yeah. I wasn't aware that they were, but they were. And mm. then once I got into the recovery room, they were like, okay, we're giving you drugs. And I was like, great. And I'm always someone who's like, I don't need drugs. I can deal with the pain. And then when the drugs would wear off, I'd be like, where's that nurse? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's a major, yeah, it was that's major. a major surgery. It's a major yeah. surgery. And you know, they don't tell you, like, you won't be able to use the bathroom right away. You won't be able to pee. And, like... How long does that take till you can? I think I had to pee within the first six hours. Okay. Or, like, it was going to be, like, an issue. Was it a catheter you were wearing until that point? Yes. Or, okay. Which I didn't feel. Um, yeah. I thought it was going to be super painful, but... Yeah, no. Nothing. And then all I was concerned about was breastfeeding. Mm. <laughs> so it was, like... You know, I was like concerned about this and then concerned about that and then concerned about that. And now I'm pivoted to a new thing. And yeah. It's like just trying to sit there and enjoy was really hard. Hmm. Um, but once I started breastfeeding and talked to the lactation consultant and started to get that down. How long after the surgery till you could start breastfeeding? Was it pretty quick or oh. you had to wait until how long? Right, right away. Right away. When they oh, wheeled me oh. into the, like the the little recovery area so that I could fill my legs. Then they brought her, they had to take her away again and then they brought her back to me and then they put her on my stomach and like immediately she like crawled up and just latched. Oh, and I wow. was like, cool. That's cool. <laughs> like she's doing it. She wasn't latching correctly. Right. Um, my nipples almost fell off. But um, yeah. once the lactation consultant came in and showed me a thing or two, then I was more prepared. But she, but right away, I mean, within a half hour, first half hour. Oh, good. Okay. Breastfeeding. So that was cool. And then the, how was the recovery at the hospital? The recovery was incredible. We had an amazing nurse team. Like, Oh, good. I had the woman, these two women, one was day and one was night. I, I felt like they were like my aunts or something, you oh, know? Good. Um, they were both incredible. And then we had a very bizarre experience. Hmm. It was like the day before we were going to leave, the pediatrician came in to check out the baby. Yeah. And she, I had just had a horrible experience breastfeeding and she w- we were both crying and I was exhausted and we, bo- we couldn't get it right. And it was just a mess. And then the pediatrician comes in and I was like, she just was really upset. So I don't know if this is the right time. And the pediatrician was like, oh, it's fine. I'll, I'll just check her real quick. Checked her. And then came over to me and said something that I really don't remember. She was like talking to me and I was just like nodding and smiling because I was like not thinking of anything but this horrible, that I, couldn't, that I can't yeah. feed my baby. I'm not a woman. I was like going back into that kind of oh, brain, I see. brain right. space. Yeah. And then five hours later, the nurse comes in and goes, 
so the pediatrician wants us to bag the baby. And I go, what's that? She goes, she wants us to do a toxicology drug test on the baby. And I was like, excuse me? She's like, she seems to think that maybe there's been marijuana use. (gasps) And I was like, excuse me? Like, immediately was like, Oh, yeah, mama bear. And I was like, and I was like, what the, who is judging me right now? I was so mad. And oh my gosh. And she's like, she said she read something in her report about marijuana use. And I was like, um, my husband smokes weed. I would have smoked weed in my life, but never while I just, I was like, you know what? And then, and then I, instead of, I was just so mad and I was like, I don't want to be mad. Like right now I I was having such a beautiful time. And then this woman came in and made me feel like a bad parent. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? I will be more than happy to give her this test if she would like to come here and talk to me and tell me why she wants me to have this test. And as soon as she does that, oh, I will do the test. Because it was voluntary. I could say no. Okay. And so they're like, okay. So... Then the nurses were like, yeah, we're pissed too. We don't understand why you're doing this. This is so bizarre. And then the nurse team got on my side. And then like the head nurse was like, we told her we're not doing it. (laughs) And I was like, really? Oh my gosh. Um, And then she never never showed up. So she didn't want to tell you to your face. Mm -mm. Interesting. So then we got another pediatrician. I don't know. Did you feel like you were out of it at all because of the pain meds you were on because of your C-section? Because that can happen. And then she misinterpreted that or something. Maybe she thought I was like, but like, even if she thought I was high right then, like, how would I have gotten high? (laughs) I don't know. I just, and then my concern was, okay, she's a doctor. So maybe she saw something in the baby that made her think this. If that's the case, then I would like another, then I would like her to come back and do another. Yeah. Make sure the baby's okay. okay. So yeah. I said, can we get another pediatrician in here just to do another check on the baby to make sure she's okay? So we got another pediatrician. We told her our, you know, she's like, I understand how it can feel. I don't know what happened, but she was probably just looking out for the baby. And I was like, that's why you're here is to tell me like what she saw or what was going on. You know, and she said, everything's fine. I don't see any, any of the indications that there would, you know, and she goes, and even if there were, it would be passed by now. So it's fine. Mm. And I was like, that's so weird. And the only thing I can think of is two things. Either she mixed us up and got it wrong, reading a report that like, you know, or that she read that my husband had and I, you know, she thought that was me, Mm. which is weird. Or she's getting paid by drug companies to do tests. Oh, uh, which, yeah. which could be. Could you be. never know. I'm um, like, ah, oh, here's a here's a couple of if it's the, you know, the like the scenario. He's wearing like a mycology society sweatshirt. <laughs> it's like a sloth, like smoking a joint. Okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh my uh, gosh, but that is weird. That's just it certainly doesn't make you feel good though. It just, I, it, it, like almost ruined the whole experience. If it hadn't been for the nurses being like, you're an amazing mother. Mm. Like you're doing a great job. Don't, I was just like in tears for the rest of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I reported her. I wrote, I, when they filled out, they sent me the survey. I was like, doop, doop, doop. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the only negative experience I Good. had was that one moment. And the rest was glorious. And now it's time for a quick tip with Christy. Quick tip. 
<laughs> Hi, you guys. Really, I just wanted to come in here and give you a really quick tip because there is a very specific product that I recommend to all new moms if you are going to breastfeed. It was my favorite tool, especially in the first few weeks of establishing your supply and getting the baby used to drinking the milk out of your boobs. Recently, a new mom came to me. She was about two weeks postpartum and she was struggling because she hadn't been able to sleep at all. She wanted to build up a little bit of a milk supply so that her husband could feed the baby and she could sleep longer hours, but she didn't want to start pumping because she didn't want to get oversupply and yada, yada, yada. It's so stressful in the early days sometimes. just You just need a break. So here's a cool tip. There's something called the Haka pump. What it is, it's a little silicon, like cylindrical bottle with a phalange at the top that fits over your breast. So how to use it, it's hard to explain over, you know, a podcast, but I'm going to try and I'm going to link it in the show notes so that you can just go check it out and learn how to do it yourself. It's a little silicone device. It holds four or five ounces, depending on which one you get. It has a phalange at the top that fits over your breast. And what you do is you squeeze it and place it on the breast that you're not currently using to breastfeed. And what it does is when you have a letdown reflex, it catches all the letdown milk that would otherwise just be spilled into your bra. So for example, if you're not getting it, if I'm breastfeeding my baby on my left boob, I will attach the Haka pump to my right boob, and then it will just automatically collect milk that otherwise would just be wasted. And that milk you can put in the fridge and store, and your partner or your mom or whoever's helping you out can later on use that milk to feed your baby while you're taking a rest. It's such a great little hack if you don't want to start pumping right away. There are two ways to use the Haka pump. One of them is just simply to squeeze and place it on your breast as it is. The other one is to fold the flange back. So you'll squeeze it and then fold the flange back and then place it on your boob and then flip the flange on your boob so it really gets a big suction. On my website, I've added a video on how you could do this on birthshow.com. So if you go to birthshow.com and you go to the breastfeeding page and you scroll all the way down, there will be a video on there about how to do this. But just so you know, it's a great little tool. Check it out, the Haka Pump. It's not sponsored, you guys. I If they want to sponsor me, great, let me know. But I really like this thing and I'm just talking about it because it really helped me collect some extra milk and have some supply in the fridge before I had to start pumping down the line. It's great. Check it out. Quick tip. How is the, you know, the first couple of weeks at home? How is your recovery at home? And, you know. We laugh about it now because we live in a very small house we came home and just everything just exploded everywhere because there's no like and luckily people had been bringing us food david's parents are incredible they nice. cooked for us every oh, single day that's great bought us food and like they live 15 minutes away oh that's awesome uh, so great. they have been like yeah i never even because i haven't lived near my parents since i was 18 wow. so it's just yeah. it's been such a nice experience, experience yeah. for us and also for Maisie to have yeah to, 
grandparents nearby. But um, we were just like, it was like three in the morning and she's crying and we're like, why is she crying? I don't know. Can I give her gripe water? I don't know. Can I give her, like, is she too young? Oh my God, she's crying. I'm so hungry. And David comes in with a Greek salad and he's like, eat some of this salad. And I was like, oh my God, this salad this is the most amazing salad I've ever had in my life. Why don't I eat salads at 3 a.m. all the time? Like, this is a salad. <laughs> like, we were just like, what? Like the salad, like we always be like, whenever we see Greek salad, we're like, oh, we need a Greek salad. It's like this, it was just, and it's like we're eating Greek salad out of a Tupperware container, like at three in the morning, and there's shit everywhere. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my God, what is our lives? I was like, is it going to be like this forever? <laughs> it was just like every day I felt like we were just going to be living in mountains of clothes and mm. Tupperware containers for the rest of our lives. Um, <laughs> uh, and then it calmed down. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She started getting into a routine. We started getting into a routine and we started figuring out her cries and, you know, this mm-hmm. means that kind of in this. And it was just, and then we went to see the doctor and the pediatrician and that was helpful because we were like, here's our list of questions. Right. Yeah. And we know you have to go, but one more thing. Yeah. And since then, I just pay attention to her. Mm-hmm. Like I read a lot of books, especially on sleep. Mm. Which ones did you really like or what, what would you recommend for people who are one of struggling my, with oh, sleep? With sleep, um, mm-hmm. the happy baby. Happiest baby on the block? No. Or no, a different one. Happy that baby. One's good too. Okay. Happy sleeper. Sorry. Happy sleeper. Happy sleeper. Okay. I'll put a link is in the show notes. Wonderful. That okay. like that book, hands down, is in the beginning we were reading um Baby Wise. Oh, baby wise. Okay. And that was I I was using that in the beginning when mm-hmm. she was like a newborn, just to have something, some schedule. Um, some idea of a schedule. And that really helped me kind of get into the idea of like sleep training, even right. when she was a newborn. Right. And then I got Happy Sleeper and it changed my game. She was going down by herself, but she, and then she got into this thing where she wanted me to rock her to sleep every mm. single time. And I was like, oh, no, honey. <laughs> um, right. ain't happening. And then I did this five minute rule thing and this sleep wave thing in that book. And it's like, she's, Six to six now. She's incredible. Oh, that's great. Happy sleeper. Okay, I'm going to sleep right up. Great. Very okay. good. That's awesome. Um, and another book I really, really loved pre, like, pre-birth that I still go back to is Bringing Up Bebe. Mm, I love that book. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh my God, the French. I'm like, just pause and like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, it was, it, it, yeah. I love that book. Um, I agree. I really enjoyed that point of view of sort of thinking of your little kid as a, just a human being that yeah. doesn't have communication skills yeah. is kind of yeah. and the like, idea. Don't run in there right away. Like mm-hmm. listen to them and try to see if maybe they're just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really helped me kind of like pause and especially with no sleep. Yeah. It's really hard to pause. Yeah. Um, You have to build up a lot of resilience. I talked to a doctor recently on the podcast and he described it as like both partners have to have a reservoir of tolerance basically to like deal with the challenges of a screaming baby and, you know, not yelling at each other. And like, you know, you have to be dealing with a lot in the beginning there. So it's it's definitely, and also because we were taking COVID so seriously, we we weren't seeing his parents, you know, because we didn't want to bring whatever we had gotten from the hospital to them. Right. Um, and so they would come and like, we'd see them through the window and they'd drop off, you know, chicken. 
that mm-hmm. that they leave. So we didn't have them as a resource in the beginning either. Um, we had them for food, right. but I couldn't like. Are they in your sort of pod? They're on now? our pod now. Okay. After the first two weeks, we would go over to their place and do outdoor only. Oh, nice. Okay. And they would wear masks, and you know, uh, we did that for about a month, um, where we would hang out outside and have Shabbat and like do That's nice. you know yeah. do dinners and do lunches, but they still had to wear masks. Yeah. And then when she was about three months old, I was like, okay, let's reveal your face. (laughs) Um, Because I I wanted her to see, you know, people's faces other than me. And we were over there so much and they're really careful and we're really careful. And they got flu shots and all their Tdap and everything. I was like, here's all the lists. And they're amazing. Like, I'm like, here's what I need. I'm psycho. Here's my list of demands. And they're like, no problem. Right. Thank you for not being like, I know best. Right. <laughs> Everybody has different, like a different list, I guess, of what they're fine with. And if you're just like really clear mm-hmm. with people about what you need, then great. No problem. But I think a lot of people have a hard time like defining what they need and then communicating mm-hmm. that to that. And, uh, you know, from the new moms I've talked to since COVID's happened, I feel like that's been like the number one thing that is the most important to make them feel comfortable, to make everyone feel comfortable to have a community, like during a time where you just have to figure out, you know, if you're going to trust people or not, kind of what it comes down to. And and they're the only people that we really see um, Mm -hmm. besides his brother, who's also in our pod. Um, And it's like great to have that, Mm -hmm. you know, so that she has other people she can see. But yeah. um, And also great when I'm like, I, I'm going to pass out. And she's like, come over. I'll watch Maisie and you can go upstairs and take a nap. And oh, I'm like, nice. can, I, can I hug you? <laughs> um, that's nice. So it is nice. really, I mean, having family help is like mm-hmm. everything. I yeah. highly, I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. If you can just go ahead and do that. Right. Um, that is nice. No, but it's, yeah, I, I'm going to get pregnant again next summer. I'm down. I'm that's ready. already, you're already ready to go. Huh? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. like, I'm ready. Nice. Um, that's, also good. that's a good place to be. Yeah. Five months down the line. Yeah. So you must be feeling pretty good these days if you're. Yeah, I feel, I don't feel great about my body as far okay. as like. What it's gone through and where you're at. Mm-hmm. And you're still, look, nine months on, nine months off. I felt like it was a year on, a year off. Oh, and yeah. then when you're done breastfeeding, FYI, there's a weight gain. Yeah, so. At least for me and for most people that I talk to. And you just go like, which by the way, we didn't finish talking about breastfeeding. Are you, how long did it take to get in the swing of that? Was it sort of like the first initial hospital consultation and you felt like good or did you have to go back to a lactation? She was doing okay. I was in the beginning, I was, I started pumping too early because I didn't know you were supposed to wait. So like I literally started pumping like a week after. (laughs) Full-time pumping? Like, oh wow, you have mastitis or? No, I just like, so then I was like, I had like, tons of milk because I, I was pumping so much. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> um, I was like, whoa, wow, I have a lot of milk. This is great. And then I would wake up in the morning and my boobs would be rock hard engorged. And I yeah. thought, well, I have to pump to get rid of it because she can't eat that much. And so it was just like this vicious cycle. cycle. And then the second week I went to my doctor and they had a lactation consultant in the office and I made an appointment with her and she said, okay, so you can start pumping now. And I was like, oh, I've been pumping. And she's like, oh, 
okay, this is why you're so like full yeah. all the time. So she helped me because then I had an oversupply, which is high yeah. class problem, whatever, you know. Did you like, find, because I had a temporary oversupply problem and mm-hmm. my son's poop was like bright green. Did that oh, yeah. happen to oh, you? Yeah. I had, okay, because I, had all I the colors. freak out about the bright green poop and think I'm killing him, what's going on and calling no. my friends. Yeah, and, yeah. luckily my, my pediatrician, one of the first things she said was, you're going to have the, all the colors of the rainbow of poop. So don't worry. <laughs> okay, that's good <laughs> She's advice. She's like orange, green, yellow, black, brown, any of those colors are great. If you see blood, call us. Right. But even red. <laughs> like if it's wow. just, you know, like she was, you know, so. Wow, um, okay. And I was also recording like on a piece of paper because they gave us a piece of paper at the hospital to record our um feeding Feeds. and stuff mm-hmm. like that to make sure and the and the peas and poos to make sure she was hydrated enough right and then I got home and I was like doing it and I had a clipboard and and then all of a sudden I was like oh this is 2020 I'm sure there's an app somewhere. oh yeah there's a lot of good apps I used to be like religious about that um, app. I still I still yeah. do her feeding in her sleep I don't do her poop anymore but yeah I do her feeding in her sleep um and the uh breastfeeding was like once I the oversupply was like I was like okay I can't I, I literally was waking up in the middle of the night to relieve How did pressure. you fix that? The you lactation do? consultant told me to take cold packs and put yeah. cold packs on my boobs. Okay. And also to feed her laying on my side because oh. the other thing was that my pressure was really high. So she was like yeah, getting away a lot. She's <laughs> getting fire hosed. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. She's like, Wah! And I was squirting. I mean, I was like, yeah. you know, you could see it. I was. I loved it. That was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but laying on my side helped the flow, I guess, mm-hmm. for her. And she could also let it dribble out of her mouth so it wasn't super high pressure anymore. Uh, what else did she say? Just don't pump as much. And hand hand express if I needed to yeah. to get the – and then once – I did that for a couple of days and, my, and then it went fine. And oh, then good. my b- baby was like, I don't like the left boob. I'm not into the left boob. So that happened to me too. Now uh, I don't use it. You don't use it at all. I pump from it. Oh, interesting. But I get only like half an ounce. She only uses the right. You know, that's interesting that my kid had a preference for the right as well. I mean, but he would nurse on both sides, but I was always, I would always have more of a supply on the right side. Yeah. For some reason. Yeah, I have my, all my supplies on the right. I'm sure if I like had kept it up more, right. pumped more. Because once she stopped showing interest, I was like, and I got, I got a little clogged. So I was like, mm. that one's no use. <laughs> We're not going to use that one. We're just going to leave that one. Uh, but now, you know, she's she's eating a ton and now she's eating food and she's also eating breast milk. I had to supplement once when we went to Tahoe. Mm-hmm. So you've only given her formula one time. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's and, hard to do that. I know. it's pre- yeah. It's been pretty amazing. It's a... Uh, She's been, it's been pretty good. Nice. It's been pretty good. I, uh, I don't know how much longer I'm going to breastfeed or probably just until she's like not interested. Yeah. Um, I always thought, oh, I'm doing this for a year and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going 17 months. Oh, wow. Um, so I've only not been doing it for two months. Wow. And I am shocked that that ha- that that's, that's what I did yeah. only because I was always like oh okay I know this is good for the baby I guess I'll do this and I wasn't one of those people that was like looking forward to breastfeeding or like yeah. you know when I was preparing to give birth I remember 
<laughs> reading about the birth being like, oh, this is really intense and like all the logistics of it and the tearing and whatever might happen. And okay, I wrapped my head around that. And I was like, okay, okay. But then when I read about breastfeeding and how you have to do it exclusively for six months, I cried. <laughs> I cried because I was like, oh my God, this is a full-time job. And I can't believe it. But I think that one of the only reasons I went so long is because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Because also I had a very extreme hormonal reaction to him starting solid food. Mm-hmm. I had a deep depression really? that happened. It's called weaning depression. And people don't talk about it very much. But uh, for whatever reason, I'm very sensitive to those hormone flu- fluctuations. So even dropping a few feet, I had to slowly wean him over the course of months. That's interesting because like, to, I mean, I love feeding her. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, my milk supply is going to lower. And whenever my milk supply lowers, I'm like, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Mm. I, I can't, like, I don't, you know, it's never coming back. And then it comes back. I want to keep, I want to feed her. But I'm nervous that she's going to be like, okay, I'm done with milk. Thank you. Mm. Which I know isn't a thing. I know she still needs it for like the mm-hmm. first year of her life. But yeah, I don't, I... Um, I I didn't know about that. So I'm actually well, really glad to hear about it. It helped me. Um, I would have like really dark thoughts, like nothing really about harming him, but like even like little fantasies about like driving the car off a cliff or something, you know, like the intrusive thoughts or whatever they yeah. call, they're called. And they're bizarre. It's so crazy because I, I would feel like ashamed about it. But when I learned that it's for some women, not all women, you know, it's connected to hormones, Mm -hmm. then it saved me. Mm -hmm. It made me feel like there's a reason for this. This isn't just how my life is going to be forever. But then it also, I think, created a fear in me (laughs) about weaning suddenly when he turned one years old. And so like for the last couple months, he was only eating in the morning, like the first feed of the morning because I was like lazy about like, I don't want to get out of bed yet. Let's just get him out of his crib and I can lay in the bed for the next 30 minutes. And that was great for me. Yeah. But <laughs> this is crazy. You know, I just went to get a physical and my doctor, cause I, it's been two months and I was like, my milk's probably gone or whatever. But in the shower the other day, I squeezed my boob and a bunch of milk shot out. And it's been two months wow. since I, and I didn't have like a time, nothing would come out when I would pump really. So I was like, what is happening? So I asked my doctor, last week. I was like, how long am I going to have milk in my boobs? Like, she's like, oh, it could take up to a year. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to have lactating boobs for a year. Stop it. And of course, everyone's different, but it it can happen. I just, that blew my mind. So FYI. It blows my mind. This whole, Tiffy was asking me the other day, he's like, do you feel different about your body now? Mm. And it's like a tool and I was going to ask you that question. Yeah. yeah. So what'd you say? I, I said, I haven't really thought about it because it's, mm. again, I don't know. It's the same thing of like, now we're doing this. Not like, oh, I felt really sexual about my body. And now it's like this tool that I don't mm. feel sexual about, which I don't, which is a whole other thing. But like, it just is like how it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't feel like, oh, I'm a tool. I'm whatever. I'm like, oh, this is what my body's doing right now. Right. Like, right. I do feel like looking at it from an outsider's point of view, it would seem weird to be like, he's like, yeah, but like your boob gets full and then it gets empty. What does that feel like? <laughs> and I'm like, That's well, great. it feels like, I guess, yeah. you know, <laughs> when you're full and then you're empty. It's, yeah. it's I know. Similar, it's hard to ex- it's describe hard. that yeah. that feeling because you really can't. 
it's like being pregnant yeah. or feeling your baby move. You can't yeah. really describe what that's like no. until it happens to you. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's so, it's, it is so bizarre. And then, I mean, you're still at early days, oh, yeah. five months. So do you feel like, how has your relationship with your sexuality changed? You know, I was really afraid because like, I've always been a pretty sexual person as far as like, no shame about it. No, I wasn't like overly promiscuous or anything like that. Uh, well, <laughs> everybody has their 20s. You know? <laughs> no, but, um, but then, you know, I, I haven't felt an inkling of even like wanting to like masturbate. Hmm. And I was like, oh, it's broken. Hmm. My, my clitoris is broken. I'm sure it's broken. And I was like terrified that I was never going to be able to feel any sort of sexual feeling again um, for the like f- that was like the first two, three months. And even now, like, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like, well, I should try. And so I will make myself be intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I'm in it, I'm like, yes, I'm so, and afterwards I'm like, I'm so glad we did that. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it takes a while to but get to like that a, point. It's yeah. Like a, it's like going to the gym or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like once I'm there, I feel great. Afterwards, I feel great. <laughs> but getting there, it's like, mm. oh, I really have to get in my car and put my shoes on and like all right, this stuff. Right. I didn't know that when you're breastfeeding, you get really dry down there. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like a whole thing. I have to like shoot lube up <laughs> myself. And it's like, oh, you damper the mood real quick. We're getting a syringe of lube, shooting funny. it in my vagina. But, you know, it's a thing and it's like part of it. And so I just had to be really conscious about it's important to keep my relationship intimate. Mm-hmm. I feel no pressure from my husband at all. He's the best person in the world. But also, you know, it's like I don't want to just – I don't want to all of a sudden wake up and be like, oh, we haven't had sex in five months. Like, right, right. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to be aware about it and also not pushing myself too hard because yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, it will be fine. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about everything. I'm like, it'll be fine. And if it's not, I have a, there's a bunch of people I can call. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I got a therapist. I got friends. I got, you know, parents. Yeah. So I'm very lucky. I have a lot of support. That's good. Emotionally. Good. So Awesome. Sounds like you have the perfect attitude for it, you know? You kind of just take things as they come and, yeah. and don't overthink it too much and move on to the next thing on the list, <laughs> which yeah. is a really... It's good. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're doing. <laughs> I also found an incredible group on Facebook called Buy Nothing. Have you heard about this? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's a gifting society. So like oh. you just basically say like, I'm giving this away. Oh. And it's by neighborhood. Oh, that's cool. So then you like you say, oh, I'll take it. And you just go pick it up. And it's not like bartering. Like I have this, you know, if you want this, it's just total gifting. So it's like, oh, great. Like opened up a bunch of gratitude as well because people are like, I'm giving away a bike. I'm giving away a swing set. Like, oh, that's awesome. Away just it's just it's really fascinating. So that's such a cool thing for kids. Yeah. Because people grow out of diapers and oh, I have these kids toys and I've gotten so much like outdoor play gear. This Um, is so cool. I'm going to have to link this. Yeah. Buy nothing and you do buy your neighborhood. Oh, great. So you have to be in your neighborhood and their philosophy is really cool. It's all about gratitude and giving and it's just, I am, and it's also normalizing like secondhand gifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which some people find dirty or gross, but it's 
not. It's no. really just not creating a bunch more plastic for the world. Right, and, you know, right. It's, well, it's, when you have a kid and they start going through all their their toys, yeah. age group toys or their clothes or whatever, you pretty quickly are like, mm. yeah. <laughs> anybody have anything they can hand me down? Because yeah. not, or, or I'm always giving my stuff away too. Yeah, and exactly. it feels nice. So it's, yeah. It does. It feels nice. It feels like Good. it's great to be. And also people can be like, I'm asking, does anyone have this? And someone's yeah. like, I have this, you know? That's cool. So I highly recommend it. Totally link to it. It's okay. a, it's face, they're Facebook groups. Okay. Um, and it's only on Facebook. I got rid of my Facebook a yeah, long time ago. Me but, too. Yeah. Oh, but really? I got back on it. Um, <laughs> okay. For the buy. I mean, you're buying nothing. So. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and I use it just for that. And also like, you know, occasionally yeah. I'll post something, but um, I found it really helpful and you don't have to spend Great. much money on crap great. Hey, it's Christy. I just want to interrupt real quick because I have a personal story about the Buy Nothing Facebook group. I got rid of my Facebook in 2016. You could probably take a wild guess why. I just didn't want to be a part of Facebook anymore. That was my personal choice. And so when Marie told me about this Buy Nothing group, I was like, oh man, you know what? I have so many great little baby things I had a baby swing, a mamaru, a bumbo seat, a, you know, books, all this stuff that my kid has now grown out of. I would love to pass it on to someone who really needs it. And in my immediate friend group, all those mamas are sort of taken care of and they have enough stuff so they don't need anything. So I decided to try out this Buy Nothing Facebook group and I created a fake Facebook page basically just for this one purpose. And I went on there and I put up a list of stuff and almost immediately a young woman contacted me and said, I'm pregnant. I don't have anything yet. I would love to come take it. Great. Perfect. She lived about five minutes away. She drove over and I said, you know what? I have all these other books and toys and like a play mat and a tummy time thing and all this stuff. Do you want it? Yes. Oh, thank you so much. And so me and my husband helped her because she's pregnant. We don't want her carrying all this stuff, loaded it into her car and off she went. And not only was I so happy because a new baby is going to get to experience and love and enjoy all the things that my baby did. This family now doesn't have to go spend money on that stuff that otherwise would have just gone to a goodwill or something. Check it out. And if you have things to give, go on there and, and share the love. I guess maybe just to wrap up, was there anything else that we didn't cover that you like wish you would have known before you had a baby, before you were pregnant? What would you tell anyone else that might be starting on their own journey right now? Don't feel like you need every piece of gear right away. Mm -hmm. And if people send you gear, don't unwrap it. Keep okay. the tag on because there's so much stuff that it was a great piece of something that I got, but like I didn't, it didn't work for me. I didn't need it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I needed this type of pillow, not this type of pillow. So like keep the tags on so you can return stuff. I feel like it's something mm -hmm. that yeah. I want people to know. Right. And then as far as the pregnancy thing goes that like, there's so much stigma from, I think from other women mm. of like the way things should go or shouldn't go. And for me, I tried to be like, a not one of those women because I, I didn't want to receive it. Mm. Um, so just know that like there's no wrong plan because your plan will be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> just some, there's always going to be someone that there's doesn't like what you're doing. Yeah, and also Absolutely. your plan will be wrong and it'll probably change a thousand times. So like, don't, don't, right. you know, but I, I think that's it. And uh, buy secondhand stuff. Or yeah. Buy nothing. Yeah, buy nothing. That's really, really good. Thanks for doing oh, this. Thank you so much. Really I'm so happy it. to see you. I know you too. It's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> 
Well, that's our show. Thank you so much to Marie. Uh, Just love you. I had such a fun time talking with you. It was a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And for the rest of you, have you rated the show yet? I don't think so, because there are thousands of you that listen And there's only 45 ratings as of today on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to ask you, please do me a solid. Take five seconds. It probably only takes three seconds, to be honest, just to go down and rate the show. And, you know, be honest. You don't have to give me five stars if you don't think I'm worthy of five stars. That's fine. But I do want your feedback because it's the only way that helps the show grow in the algorithm and reach more ears. And just the numbers of people listening, it doesn't represent the numbers of people who are taking five seconds to give me a rating. So I really appreciate that you're going to do that right now. It means the world to me. If you would like some more free content, encouragement, advice, tips, resources, go to birthshow.com. Check out the show notes to see all the links of everything that we talked about in the podcast today. Before I go, I wanted to share with you a couple of positive affirmations that I am telling myself this week. I don't think that there is a mom that couldn't benefit from these positive affirmations. So here's a few of them. I am constantly getting better at taking care of myself and honoring my truth. I am constantly getting better at taking care of myself and honoring my truth. I love myself and I want my child to see that. I love myself and I want my child to see that. I am fully present wherever I am at that moment. I am fully present wherever I am at that moment. This one is huge for me because a lot of us feel like we can't do it all. We're trying to get work done. We're trying to get ready to have this baby or take care of our child or our toddler. Or There's just too many things in the day. And on top of it, there's the laundry, there's the dishes, there's the relationship to maintain. There's the shower that you haven't taken in three days. There's the thing and the other thing and the other thing. There's always a thing. But what I'm working on this week is trying to stay present in the moment, focused on whatever is in front of me. So if that is being with my son, then I'm going to be focused only on him in that time. If that is taking some time to go work on the podcast, then I'm going to really focus and finish that task at hand. We can't do it all, but we can do our best in the moment. So that's what I'm working on this week, and I hope that maybe that helps you as well. I'm going to just tell you those words of affirmation one more time. I am constantly getting better at taking care of myself and honoring my truth. I love myself, and I want my child to see that. I am fully present wherever I am at that moment. I hope you have a really wonderful week. I can't wait to be with you again next time. I'm Christy Williams, and you've been listening to Birth. This is a Sync Studios production.